welcome back to Andor Twist Podcast. Thanks for joining my mom. What led you into the mission field? When did you know, like, we are being called into mission work? Did you go to Moody Bible Institute as well? I did not. Um, so I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, and my grandfather was pastor of an inner city church there. And that's the church I grew up in. I was always the only white girl in Sunday school. And I'd ride the buses with him through the projects, picking up kids for church. And so like from a very young age, like I was just drawn to like cross-cultural mission and ministry and just seeing him and how, how he interacted with people. It was very inspiring. And so from a young age, I knew that I would, I would love to be a missionary. I knew exactly what that would look like, but I knew that was something that I wanted to do eventually. Then I went to college in North Carolina and um, I ended up yeah, getting a degree in English and then working as a newspaper reporter. But in high school, I had met David and we got, we were friends. We didn't meet until our senior year of high school and we were lab partners and we dissected a cat together. And you can imagine just how romantic that would be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I knew I'm like, oh, here's this kid. Like, he's really interested in missions too. But he wants to be a pilot. What does that mean? Like I'd never heard him mission aviation or anything. So, um, but then we started corresponding. This was like pre-emails, how old I am. Uh, we have boxes of letters that we wrote during college. And eventually, yeah, that led to, um, yeah, our courtship. And then we got married. And, um, but the whole time, like even pursuing that like English degree, like I knew like, God, I just, I want to use this for you somehow. And, um, and while I never, well, yeah, I did teach English as a second language some uh, when we were overseas. And I taught at our kids' school, some of the high school English classes. So I didn't end up using that English degree. But, um, but yeah, like we, and we knew, like, like I, I don't think he would have dated me or, and I wouldn't have dated him if like we thought the other one wasn't, you know, pursuing mission. Cause that's something like you really both need to be called. You don't want to be dragging somebody along uh, to the mission field. That's right. not a good way to go. <laughs> you will crash and burn fast. Like you both really need to have that same vision for what God is calling you to do. So yeah, so we never knew like where or, yeah, there's a lot of organizations that do mission aviation. JARS is one, Wycliffe Bible Translators at their aviation arm. New Tribes Mission, they're now called Ethnos 360. They also have an aviation wing that we were really drawn to MAF because they serve so many different organizations. And we just really liked that, that they just served a broad range of different organizations. So that's why we chose MAF. And it just is hard to imagine, like, you know, there was a brief time when we were in Tennessee um, that we thought, it's just something we really want to do. Like, because we were, he was really happy instructing there and we loved Tennessee. Like, I would, I'd go back there in a heartbeat. Like, I just love that area so much. Um, and we were, we could feel ourselves like starting to put roots down a little bit. Like, oh, maybe we, maybe we could just stay. But then we had somebody who kept like pushing us. So when you like, what are you doing next? Like, when are you joining up? I'm like, well, let's go give it a try. Um, we, we might regret it if we don't. And we totally, yeah, I, I can't imagine not having done it. But even like our first term, and by term, I mean three and a half years. That's like for MAF, you go three and a half years, and then you get a six-month furlough when you come back to your home country. After that first term, we just felt like we were fried. Like we had a number of different difficult things that happened. And then, I mean... I just, we just thought, I don't know, maybe we're just going to be a one-term wonder and we're done. Like we did it, <laughs> but we were encouraged to know, like, you're actually in a healthy place. 
you know, so we went back and I'm so glad we did. Like, I just think it takes so long to like really acclimate to a culture and the language and all of it. I felt like it took at about year eight is when we hit our sweet spot. And that probably sounds really discouraging to somebody who's thinking about missions. Like what? Eight years. I know it wasn't that like good things were happening up until that eight year point, but like, like I remember getting to year eight being like, wow, like this is, we're really fulfilled in this. We were involved in the ministry outside of MES together with our church. And it was just really life giving. And, um, and I just think, man, if we had not ever done it, or if we had, you know, chosen to go back up in that first term, like just like we would have missed so much blessing. And I think that's something about the missionary life that maybe people don't realize. Like, I know we, I used to think of it in terms of like, I am giving up so much as a missionary. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving McDonald's or whatever, you know, I'm leaving all these things that are familiar and that I love uh, to go and serve Christ. But, but then as the years went on, I, it switched flipped in my mind. I was like, I no longer thought of it in terms of sacrifice, but in terms of blessing, because mm. there are so many blessings. But I just, just had no idea that would be, you know, part of that life. Like just the gift that it is to see your own culture through the eyes of a different culture. Um, just mm. the gift that we were giving our kids to be able to grow us in, in this different place and, and see people who live in abject poverty, but still have, you know, joy in the Lord. Like, yeah, the friendships that we had, the relationships that we had, the places we got to see. I remember flying in Papua, worked with David over just, I couldn't believe how remote and rugged. And you look down, you're like, how many people get to see this? Like, so few. Like, like who am I to get to see this amazing place that God made? And this summer, I got to go back to Kalimantan, our first location, um, with one of our videographers from MAF. And I went on to translate for him. And um and to help do some interviews. And we, so, so the MAF plane dropped us off from the stillage. And this was something I'd never experienced before because I was always with David anytime we flew before. So if we went to a village, the plane stayed. And I liked that, you know, but we got dropped off and the plane took off. I'm like, I don't like that sound. The sound of the plane flying away, that is not a good sound. Um, and then we got in, a, in these little canoes and we went two more hours upriver into the heart of the jungle. I mean, I'm talking, perceived. this is like National Geographic doesn't even go there. Like it's just so remote. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there in this canoe, like holding on for dear life, looking around. And I'm like, who am I? Who am I to get to do this and to see this? Like, it's so amazing. And like, and God knows about this place. Like it feels so remote. And yet he is here. His spirit is here. And he is doing a work among the people there. And so that, I mean, that's just some of the benefit, the blessing that comes with living a life, you know, completely sold out. And that those, those moments can happen wherever you are in the world. But I don't right. think you should stop feeling sorry for missionaries. If you feel sorry for missionaries, just stop that. Like <laughs> pray for them, <laughs> encourage them, but don't feel sorry for them. Like they're living the life that God calls them to. And uh, right. And yeah, we, we never like to feel like we were put on a pedestal. I remember one time we were on furlough and we went to this church. It was my home church, but I think it was like a visiting pastor who didn't really know us. And I remember my, one of my brothers was sitting next to me and the pastor wanted to acknowledge David and I was like, oh, we have, we have Christian royalty here with us today. And he had to stand up and my brother, he's just like rolling his eyes. like, oh boy, we'll never be able to live with you guys now. Like Christian royalty. I'm like, I know. I wish like, just don't do that. Like, (laughs) yes. Yeah. And our kids before eat that stuff. But anyway, I mean, there is something special about like 
selling it all and going overseas. Like that is a special thing. But I met enough missionaries to know they are just like you. And, you know, they're not anything special. They're just living out the calling that God has placed on their life. So, um, but I think it's so <laughs> encouraging to speak with missionaries and people that are sold out for Christ. I want to talk to people that are sold out for Christ, whether they're down the street, in my hometown, overseas, like give me people that are sold out for Christ. I want to see what God's doing in their life, how they've seen God's faithfulness work, how he's doing the work in their life, even through the messy times or the hard times, you know, and uh, even through the discomforts. Yeah. And I would say too, like, like sometimes it almost seems easier to go off and be a missionary because it's obvious who like, who God has called you to serve. But sometimes I think it's harder to be faithful here in your home culture because it's like, ah, or it just feels uncomfortable to like, can I really like be brave and step out and witness for Christ and this, you know, with this friendship or this relationship I have. And um, I think in some ways, maybe take more courage to do that because, you know, you are in your home culture and um, yeah, that's something. Yeah, I, I need to sit and ponder that because I think I have been guilty since we've been back in America of just like resting on my laurel. Oh, I've done ministry. And now, you know, now I can cruise, but, but you know, there's I, no cruising in Christian faith. So. You don't, I say you don't get to clock out when you're in ministry. Oh, it's five o'clock. Like I can't, I can't take your phone call anymore. I, I, I'll have to deal with this at eight in the morning. You know, like you don't get to clock out. You don't get to retire from ministry. Right. But I can right. see God That's still right. using you. And one of the, you know, one of the things you said that you, um, work for the Johnson city press, you have an English degree. And God's still using that as you are writing some of the stuff. And this, this article that you wrote, actually, I fell in love with it and it's persevering in hard places. And it was such an encouragement and spoke to me for such a long time. It was before I even started this um, podcast. I think I was blogging some at the time. And that was really what was on my heart is this word perseverance, enduring enduring this race that we're in, the Christian walk and the times and trials that we're going to have. It's hard to walk that Christian walk sometimes. There's going to be trials and we do learn from it. Mm. But it was such an encouragement. I will tell you that I just took it out of my Bible this morning. It's been just stuck in my Bible. I just carried it around with me. Um, but just to say that that was an encouragement and God is using you and your ability to write mm. even still. So yeah, I'm sure you just feel like you're not doing as much now that you're back in America, but you are still making a difference. Girl, and what else are you I doing besides so. um, writing these in the, uh, the Flight Watch like magazine? It, yeah, so I write some for MAF and then I write some just feature articles for our local paper here. And I have a column that I've been writing ever since we came back. It comes out every other week in the local paper. And I, when we were still in Papua, I wrote the editor of the paper. I was like, hey, I'm getting ready to move to Idaho. And I just wonder if you'd be, if your readers might be interested in reading, you know, a column written from the perspective of a new person back in, back in America. And, and they were like, yeah, that sounds great. So I, it's been really, it's been like therapy for me because I've written through all these, you know, anytime I experience something like, oh, I got to write about that, you know, be it like shopping here versus shopping in Indonesia or like how we celebrate Christmas, just all the different things. Uh, we just had a, I just thought of it another, I thought I had worked through all the topics, but then something happened this past week with, and my husband and I were talking about it. I'm like, I think I need to write about that. And it's like hugging in America. Like, why does everybody want to hug me? Like, <laughs> it's men, they're like, men don't hug women. Like, 
maybe they have their wives at home behind closed doors. I don't know. But like, um, so that just got trained out of me. And now like perfect strangers want to come up and hug you. I'm like, what is this? Stop it. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. I may write about that. <laughs> but so grateful just for that opportunity. And I've had lots of people in the community reach out and be like, oh, I used to live overseas or oh, I love your call. Like, I can relate. So I love that. I just love making those connections with people, you know, who maybe have had a similar experience. And um, yeah, and we can laugh about it together. <laughs> so one of the things that um, kind of gave me insight into MAFs and the work that they're doing in Indonesia was your movie that you came out with, the documentary that was a couple years ago now, um, Ends of the Earth, right? Last year. Yeah, Ends of the Earth. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, I watched it a couple of times, and then I bought the DVD. Oh. <laughs> no, nice. I, find it, I find it so encouraging. And one of the most encouraging things is that Oftentimes we're impatient because we live in a society now, especially in America, where everything's instant. Um, you know, you want to, my kids don't know what commercials are, whether it's the radio or on TV. <laughs> we're so impatient. But those yeah. people are waiting 10 years or more, 15, to get their airstrip. I mean, from the time some missionaries are called until they get to service, that might be a 10-year span of learning to fly, learning the language, getting acclimated to the culture. And you look at these things and you're like, oh, well, I've been working on this for a month now and I think it's never going to happen. <laughs> right. You're exactly right. I mean, for these these missionaries who go into these tribes, like they have to have that long haul mindset, you know, that it's it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. And um, I, this just this last year, there was a, a tribe in Papua that um, David, he was one of the first pilots to fly into their village and flying in building supplies for their houses and food for them. And then eventually doing medevacs out if they had patients that needed to come to the city for care. Um, and so that was like nine years ago. And just this last January, this past January, they started doing the, you know, it took them all this time to learn the language, the culture, to teach literacy, to develop like a written language for them to translate portions of the Bible. And to prepare lessons and they and in January they did started the chronological teaching of the Bible. That's the way this one mission approaches it. Uh, where you start with creation, who is God, and and you go up through um, the early church. And praise the Lord, after four months, I mean they were they were teaching like several times a week and they had five hundred people coming, you know. They couldn't believe the, the response. And then at the end, we you know when they present um the death, um, burial and resurrection of Christ. You know, that's usually when people respond and they did, they were so ready. You know, they'd had these months of, of lessons and they were ready. They were waiting, like, how is this going to end? They didn't know. And, um, and so there's a new church there now, a new body of believers, and it is radically changing their lives. Like, uh, this is a culture that viewed women as lower than pigs, you know, and, and they were pure pigs in their culture, but like women were just animals. And, and the men were even saying things like, we didn't know that our, that our wives had souls. We didn't know that they were people like us, like us men. Mm. And, um, but God opened their eyes to like these lies that they believed. And um, yeah, so it's just so cool to be a part of, of a work like that. It, but you're right. It takes years. <laughs> um, mm. And, you know, sometimes God does a work really fast um, and people respond like in a quicker way. But like 
often. It just, it takes years of investment. Um, so it's exciting to be a part of an organization that partners with, with people like that who are willing to go in and spend the time. Um, yeah. Fall for his kingdom. Yes. So if someone wanted to help MAF or donate to the cult, how could they do that? Yeah. So you could go to our website, maf.org. And um, there's different missionaries you could choose to support. You can look up. Yeah. There's all the bios of all our staff serving overseas. Or you could just donate to the organization directly if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, there's great. There's lots of stories on there and links to videos. And I think a link maybe to buy the DVD if you haven't seen the documentary. That gives you just a good idea of who we are as an organization and the kind of work that we do. It focuses in on Papua, but, you know, we serve in a number of different countries in Africa, um, in Latin America, you know, and even some um, restricted access nations. You know, those are nations that are closed to the gospel, closed to missionaries coming in, but, but we, using aviation, are able to get our foot in the door. Um, so those are things we don't have on our website, but you can, you can reach out to me and I can tell you about them if that interests you. But, um, but yeah, we serve all over the world, not just the couple of program that you see in the video. Christy, I am so glad that Mike, that God brought you to Michael. Like it's, it's just so cool. Like, you know, knowing who he was as a kid and he was just a sweet guy and and to see you, his wife, now I'm like, oh, God, that's so cool. cool. Thank it's you. Cool. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we go? And before I try to convince you to come to Tennessee and stay with us and have oh, dinner. Girl, and, you, you, don't, know, all the you don't have to convince me too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know I keep hearing David. I'm like, we need to go around and see our supporters soon. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully we'll get that way before too long. Um, well, you have a place to I, stay yeah, here in Tennessee. You. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like like we've said, like I just think, you know, just go and be faithful and wherever God has placed you right now, but also be open to what he might be calling you to do. And even if it seems scary, even if you don't know where it is. <laughs> um, yeah, like we don't have to be afraid of what God calls us into. Like if he calls us into it, he has a plan and a purpose for it. And it may be something like you need to go down the street and talk to that neighbor. Um, uh, or it may be, hey, I have this opportunity in Mongolia or whatever, you know, like we just, we just want to be right. grateful. That would be my encouragement. And I think, um, like I said, watching God use your talents where you are, no matter where you are, you were always writing newsletters and updates. And it's something that you're like, well, you know, I have this English degree, but haven't really used it that much. I've got a communications degree and I homeschool my kids, but now I'm doing a podcast and, you know, yeah. some other things like that. And so God's using it, just not the way I thought I would use it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for taking oh, some yeah. time to, to speak with me today. And yeah, uh, it's been fun. I was I'm a little nervous. Doing, like, I don't know if I have anything to say, but apparently I did. So. <laughs> you know, every time I come, every time I come into this, I don't really know what I'm going to say or what I'm going to ask, to be honest. And I just try to let the Holy Spirit take over and direct the conversation where they need, where it needs to go. And this has been no different. And it is, it's really been awesome. It's going to encourage a lot of people I know. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Let us next time.